Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Thursday morning. We got NFL tonight. Why wouldn't we? We have NFL every night of the week. This is games all over the place. The Thursday night game is the Patriots and the Rams. Now, the Rams ought to win this. But it seems like every time somebody gets their shot in the NFC West, they trip over themselves. Right now, the Rams and the Seahawks are both sitting at 8-4. and four. The Seahawks having just tripped over themselves against the Giants. Will the Rams trip over themselves? Patriots are back to 6-6. Six and six. Cam Newton's shoulder. I don't know what's going on in that shoulder. Uh, I just I have this view that it's just like a bunch of broken spare parts and just random nuts and bolts and screws and stuff's in there. Uh, he can't throw the ball. The passing stats are terrible, but he still runs it well. And Belichick's designing an offense, and Cam Newton's executing it. And when he main when when he doesn't turn it over, and he seems to have gotten over that largely, they are finding a way to win. Which is odd because the defense lost a bunch of guys to opt outs and free agency, and I don't know how they're doing it, but they're they're six and six. So we'll see if they can trip up the Rams tonight. Uh, time to talk a little college football. The youths have to play the 21st ranked and undefeated Colorado Buffaloes in Boulder. Ty Jordan coming off a 27-carry, 167-yard performance, a breakout performance in his third game. It's like every week's a breakout game for him. You know, the first week we thought, hey, he looked good. The second week is like, hey, he looks good. That first week wasn't a fluke. Hey, that third week, that was better than the first two combined. I don't know how long he can keep topping himself for, but I think you fans are in favor of him topping himself again here in week four. Here's Ty Jordan with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Ty, you obviously uh, had a great weekend. You, you're named the freshman of the week for the Pac-12. What's, what's this weekend been like for you now, kind of just soaking that in now that the emotions are kind of passed a little bit and knowing that you, know, you were able to turn in that type of performance? Uh, it just it just gives me a, a lot of confidence. Uh, it allows me to to see that I can have su- some success at this level, um, but it also makes me want to work harder. You know what I mean. Next, we'll go to Trevor Allen. Ty, we haven't really talked to you much uh, through, throughout, you know, camp and anything like that. But, you know, Saturday was our chance to really talk to you. But I, I got to ask, why, why did you pick Utah when you were uh, choosing a, a school to play football? Um, so in my recruiting process, they recruited me very, very hard. Um, they recruited me even after committing to Texas. They just stuck with me. They just kept uh, telling me, hey, even if you don't come here, just, um, just come see it. You know what I mean? Come experience it. You know, take take your mom out here. You know, my mom was with it. Um, and, and we came down here, and, you know, she had cancer. She passed away from cancer. But um, being out here, for her, it was difficult because it was cold, but she didn't want to leave. And so that meant a lot to me. And that was very big for me. And just seeing the, uh, the players and the atmosphere and just everything that I thought about the program, about how they how hard they work, how um, – how much they pay attention to the details and, and do things right was it was all correct when I got here. Okay, next we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Ty, good morning. Good morning. Um, how has your background as a sprinter in high school, as a 100-meter guy, helped your football? Uh, I feel like it helped tremendously. Uh, me not being one of the taller guys, uh, I have a vertical uh, <laughs> downfall, but uh, I feel like uh, track and just training for track and, and getting that speed in really help up my game. Uh, 
and help uh, allow me to do certain things that uh, I normally wouldn't be able to without track. Just to follow that up real quick, it seems like a lot of a lot of skill position guys in football opt to opt to sprint. You know, the hundred, the two hundred. What is it for you? What is it about sprinting track, the hundred? What kind of drew you to that sport? Uh, I wasn't a big track guy growing up. Uh, it was just told to me, uh, like my freshman year. It was like, hey, you gotta start running track. You gotta get on the track. Uh, it's gonna help you with football. And so me being so passionate about football, I'm like. Hey, this is gonna make me better. This is gonna make me faster, a better player, a better athlete. Then, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. Next, we'll go to Josh Furlong, KSL.com. Hey, Covey talked about on Saturday. You know how after you had had that fumble against Washington, that it kind of defined, uh, you know, who you were. You wanted to make sure that you'd improve from that and, and everything. How how do you how do you internalize that kind of stuff when when mistakes are obviously going to happen? This isn't going to be your first fumble, you know, and or the, your last fumble, and, and things are going to happen that way. How do you how do you shake that off while still kind of growing and and knowing that you still have so much more to grow into? Um, you know, coming out of high school. You know, I was I was that guy. I wasn't I wasn't able to make those type of mistakes. Uh, so with with that, um, I kind of don't like to allow myself to to uh, make those mistakes. It kind of it angered me. You know, it was it was in the red zone. It was a very important play, and I felt like uh, it was it was one of the changing points of the game. Uh, so for me, just just keep my head on that. I, I don't ever forget it. Um, I don't ever let it slip my mind. Uh, I keep it in the back of my head, not to just bring me down or put my head down, but just to to know that I can't make a mistake like that again in, in such an atmosphere and, and such a level. So it just it just makes me want to to be better holding the ball and, and my ball security. Our next question will come from Ryan Costeca from SI.com. Hey Ty, how you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. How about you? Good, good. So obviously, um, you're no longer a surprise in Pac-12. Let's just uh, kind of get that out of the way. After that performance last week, everyone knows who you are. You know, does that change your mindset at all going up against the Colorado team that maybe you have to do things differently? Uh, no, not at all. Um, just football is football. You know what I mean? They're going to study pretty hard and watch film. We're going to study pretty hard and watch film. Uh, at the end of the day, we're going to play. And, you know, we're going to do what we got to do. We'll go to John Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Ty, I just wanted to go back to the track thing real quick. When you were getting recruited, when you committed to Texas, had you had you explored the option of, of potentially doing both? Like, had Texas offered to let you run? Is that something you wanted to do? Um, I kind of it wasn't it wasn't up there uh, in, in consideration. I kind of wanted to get with the track boys anyway, just to just to train in off season though. There's Utah running back Ty Jordan. All right. When we come back, time to talk some college football. Our college football insider, Riley Jensen, is coming up next to talk Utes and Cougars and Aggies. Stay with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network.
DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. A clean home is a festive home. And Zero Res has a deal for you. $33 per room for carpet cleaning. Schedule at least three rooms. Get an extra room clean for free. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. How's it going? Good. I'm curious as you watch a game like BYU and Coastal Carolina, it's competitive, it's exciting, it's down to the final play and the final yard and all that. But clearly we can go back, a lot of mistakes, a lot of woulda, coulda, shoulda moments whenever you have a close game. So how many of those you know, physical mistakes and stuff happens and how much of it is mental stuff and you think, man, if I could work with them, I could change that. What are you thinking when you're watching the game? Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because I am I am in mental performance as a coach, but I, I felt like this had to do more with physical physicality than than anything else. And and physicality does have a direct impact on on the mental part of the game, right? So uh, I just thought that offensively and defensively on the line of scrimmage, that Coastal Carolina was really really amped up to play, and I don't. You know, I don't think it was BYU fans or anybody like that that was that was hard on the O line and the D line for Coastal Carolina. But I felt like they had a chip on their shoulder based on what had been said about them. I mean, I mean, I mean, even during the game, they did a highlight on the center being five nine two ninety, right? And so there I am. I'm watching them go against Tonga, and they had a great game plan, uh, offensive line and defensive line wise. And I thought. It's really tough to win football games when things aren't going well there. And, you know, we we don't need to point out any offensive linemen, but there was one or two that had a really, really tough night for BYU on the offensive line. And we just haven't seen that all year, right? We haven't, we haven't seen them struggle. We haven't seen them have to, to face that kind of adversity. I thought, I thought BYU played well enough to win, but the, on that night they were not the better team. Okay, so you say it's you know more physical than mental. Where does emotion come into it? Because it seems like all the emotion, or most of the emotion, was slanted towards one side. Yeah, you know this is this is the hard part of, and and I have to give a lot of compliments to to Kalani and to the BYU team up to this point, because somehow they've been able to manage the emotion and and be able to understand that. Um, you never know when you're going to play, why you're going to play, who you're going to play, that there's going to be games that are canceled, there's going to be games that you think you're going to play that you don't play. And I think their mindset has been pretty good. For whatever reason, though, they came out flat this week, and it's it's hard to come up with with the right thing to say or the, you know, collectively as a whole for the team to play with high emotion every week. Now, I don't know if that's because of the trip. I don't know if that's because they hadn't played for a while and then that thing was scheduled on Thursday and it's tough to get ready for, you know, a team, you know, in in two days, let alone a team that's running their spread option attack that has some some wishbone principles to it that are that are difficult to cover. But I don't think BYU is going to give any excuses. Um I liked their attitude. I know people have been critical of anywhere, anytime, any place, all that kind of stuff. And they were like, yeah, but they ducked Washington. And 
all of that stuff to me is the right mindset. They they should have been willing to play anywhere, anytime, any place. This is a good football team, and they came up one yard short. They came, they, they literally came up one yard short, and that's that's part of being great. That's part of like you you're going to put yourself out there when you're trying to be great. And to me, I you know in in the when I speak to teams in general, I talk about it all the time. I say you know. Who do, you, who do you think is the best football team in the country? or the Who's the best football program in the country? And most people come back, they'll say Alabama or Clemson. And I'll say, well, did they win the national championship next year, last year? And they're like, no, Alice, you did. And I go, well, so why do you say Alabama or Clemson? And the truth is it's because they're knocking on the door all the time. They're always in the conversation. They're always there. And great teams are always knocking. And I, and I I think if you're BYU, you got to be you got to be feel you got to feel good about the fact that you're knocking on the door of competing in a New York a New Year Six um, type situation, and and that's where you want to be as the BYU program every year. You want to be knocking on the door of New York New Year Six, and then eventually you change that goal to knocking on the door of the college playoff all the time. Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us. So, believe it or not, there is another game for BYU. You, you expect them to be ready and beat San Diego State? Well, this one's a tough one. Um, I've, I've just seen it too many times in my experience where you have high hopes for your season. You have big plans for what the season is going to look like. And and you fall a little bit short in a tough game like the Coastal Carolina game, and then this one's tough to get up for because, like, man, what, we were so close, right? We were so close. My my personal opinion is I was I would expect BYU to be. My personal opinion is I think it'll be hard to play well and to play sharp in the first half. Now, have I been wrong before? Yes, and will I be wrong again? Yes, but. This is just a hard one. That was that was a big blow. That was a big change in momentum for the season. And now you have to dig deep. You have to find out. You have to think about why do I play football? <clears throat> do I do I play it for my name in the paper? Do I play it for the accolades that we get as a team? Or do I play it because I love to play and I love to compete and I love to challenge myself to play at the highest level possible? And that's that's where you've got to get if you're BYU right now is that I love the game. I love to compete. I love to compete every single week. We've been fortunate as a team to play a lot more games than a lot of schools this year. And this is fun for me to do. This is what I do, and this is what I like to do. So after the game, the Utah game on Saturday night, Kyle Whittingham comes out and says that they were vanilla in the second half offensively. You've been around this program. You know a bunch of people. Can you explain what goes through the mind of an offensive coordinator who is coordinating plays under Kyle Whittingham as the head coach? <laughs> uh, it's tough. It's 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 very tough to coach um, at the University of Utah as an offensive coordinator. First of all, all the emphasis is on the defense. All the emphasis is on um, playing really good defense and not turning the ball over. It's high stakes and high pressure as an offense. If one week you, you throw for a bajillion yards but you have four turnovers, they're pointing out that you have four or five turnovers. You know, the next week you play really, really well, but your third down percentage is terrible. 
they're talking about how the offense really struggled to stay on the field on third down and got the defense tired. And then the next week, you're winning. Somebody, you know, somebody's in your ear as an offensive coordinator telling you to run the freaking ball and take care of the ball, and it takes away some of your rhythm and the rhyme to, like, what you're trying to do. You don't do as well offensively, and then they, they call you vanilla. I mean, it's just this constant difficulty of not only trying to, to, to defeat the other team, but doing it in a way that's not going to be criticized <laughs> even when you win. You know? I, I guess personally, um, I've come around to Kyle and, and the way that he runs things in a lot of ways because I feel like it's his team. And I feel like if, if it's his ship, he gets to run the ship the way that he wants to. I guess I don't understand why you would say it out loud in the press. Like, I, I think you could say it, I think you could say it to Andy Ludwig, like, really, really easily, like, in your Sunday night meeting or your Monday morning meeting and just say, hey, what happened? Why were we so vanilla here? Right? Um, but I do feel like Andy Ludwig, out of all the offensive coordinators that Kyle has had and will have, is is totally prepared for this moment that he understands how Kyle coaches. He knew exactly what he was getting into when he came back to the University of Utah. And so I don't I don't see it being a big controversy, but I do think it's difficult. Um, number one, because of the reasons that I stated before. Number two is there's just not that many five hundred thousand dollar a year jobs floating around um, around the country. So if you want to make good money doing something that you love to do, you know, you can look around and there's like, I don't know, maybe 20 offensive coordinators making that much money, and you're one of the 20, and if you get let go, that doesn't mean that you're just going to get picked up by one of the other 20 because those guys are all trying to battle to keep their job. So it's a competitive atmosphere, and it's it's difficult, but, you know, they – they, they knew what they signed up for as well. And, and I think I think Andy Ludwig, out of anyone, is totally aware of, of what kind of a situation that he's in. I think a lot of what you said is really true and really smart there, Riley. But nonetheless, when Kyle was saying it, I wanted to be standing in the back of the room waving my arms going, no, 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 no. <laughs> And then when he came on, when he came on and did his, uh, I think it was in Monday, because he did availability on Monday and Tuesday, he said when he saw the film that the running back missed a hole on, it was either second and one or third and one. You know, they ran for nine yards on first down. And you, you know, you, if you run three times in a row, it's easy to come out and say they were vanilla. But if you run on first down for nine yards, you can't say it was a terrible play call. And if you throw on second and one and anything happens other than a catch and a first down is a terrible play, play call because you ought to be able to line up and get a yard. And I get that on third and one, you're like, okay, somebody blew an assignment. It happens. You do it again. And now you're vanilla. And yet when you watch the film, it's like, well, literally the play call worked. But if you don't run to the hole, it's execution. The problem is execution. But it doesn't seem like this is ever going to change, does it? And the thing I'd tell Kyle is you're going to have to loosen the reins on the offense a little bit if you want to get where you want to be. And you, you want to be the Pac-12 champ. And if that gets you the Rose Bowl grade, if it gets you the playoff grade, but you want to be the Pac-12 champ and you're not going to do it without a good passing game. And I don't think you're going to have a good passing game if every mistake is second-guessed publicly. Even if the offensive coordinator can handle that, I don't think the players, I don't think the quarterback and all the receivers can handle it. It's hard, it's hard work, right? Like this is this this is why football is fun. This is why 
coaching football. That's why there's so many critics and so many different people that 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 get to take a look at it and go, man, I think I think you're doing this wrong. I don't know that you know. I don't know that this is the right decision. And I, I it, it's hard. And I think one of the things that um, I'm starting to learn, and I'm and I'm young in my career as a mental performance coach, but the first 45 minutes of a uh, after a game are hugely important. <laughs> They're hugely important. And I'm talking about if you're a mom and dad driving your kid home, don't turn the car into a coffin. Like, let's, you don't have to come up with all the reasons why the game didn't go well or why your son didn't hustle or your daughter wasn't playing with the energy that she wanted. And this is kind of what Kyle is, right? Like, he's the dad of the team. And those those first 45 minutes are important, and you have to be able to let emotions pass before you make comments. And um, I think for the most part, Kyle does an incredible job of that. I, this one, though, it's kind of like kind of like you said. You're in the back of the room like, no, 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 no. You're going to watch the film, and you're going to see that this guy missed the hole and, and that it was a lot more nuanced than just that they were vanilla, right? And, <laughs> you know, if, if, if you really wanted to get down and we were to give some true serum to Andy Ludwig, he's probably saying, well, I'm vanilla because you want me to run the ball. <laughs> like, you want me to run? You want me to run it? And so, I, listen, it's I'm not being critical of Kyle because, like I said, it's it's his ship, and he needs to be able to do it the way he wants. I do think that those first 45 minutes to an hour after a game, regardless of who you are, if you're a fan, if you're a coach, if you're a player, if you're a parent, hugely important, hugely important that you that you react well, that you say the right things and you do the right things for those first 45 minutes because a lot of the things that you want to say – can be said two hours later with a lot less emotion and can be a lot more productive. Yeah, now you tell me. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what am I, 15 years late? 10 years late for you? I paid a heavy price, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, uh, how about the Aggies? You think they got a quarterback there? Oh, uh, yeah. I think I think there's I think there's lots of good things for Utah State. I think I think what'll be interesting too is is once they get a new coach, like what what does he assess it to be? I think I think there's quarterbacks there. I think I mean you, you've got you've got the ones that are on scholarship. You've got Peasley, who is very very athletic and has a lot of talent. I think with the right coaching, he becomes a very very good player. Um, but it'll be interesting, I, you know, who, whoever it is that ends up being the next coach is always going to want to bring in his guy or bring in a guy that kind of suits his offense. And so the tough part for the quarterbacks that are on campus will be not only are they trying to beat the guys out that are in the room there, but they're going to be have to they're going to have to beat out the guy that's being brought in. And so you know, playing quarterback at Division 1 is is not easy and um you 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 better love the game. Because it's going to give and it's going to take. And when it takes, it takes a pound of flesh while it's at it. So I'm struck by the, uh, you know, for all the the talent and the measurables and the scheming and the film and all that, there is no, uh, there's no replacement for playing hard. And having watched the first few Aggie games and then, and I know New Mexico is not nearly as good as Boise State, San Diego State, and Nevada. 
But playing hard, it looks different. And I watched the NFL and the Cowboys, it just didn't look like they played hard against the Ravens. They just looked like we're beaten in this game. We're beaten in this season. What are we doing here? And we don't play hard. Like Everything else shows up. And it's basic and everybody knows that. And yet, nonetheless, teams still don't play hard. How do you... How do you coach that up? And when you're working as a mental performance coach, how do you get that? Or is there nothing you can do? People either play hard or they don't. No, I think I think there's things that you can do. I I, I, I won't mention any names here because I don't. I think you'll know who it is when I'm saying it. But there was a coach who recently moved from one high school. He's he was fairly successful there. Um, even won a state championship. And then he's he's moved to another high school. I just said to him, I said, Hey, what's the biggest difference? from high school A to high school B. He's like, I don't have to coach effort. It was, the, it was like the quickest, most poignant statement I'd ever heard. And I, I've been very, very, like, pensive about the, 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 the thought or the, the, the comment that he made. I don't have to coach effort. I mean, I can't even imagine how easy it is to coach when you don't have to coach effort. It's the hardest thing to do in football. It's the hardest thing to do just in general. And as a, as a mental performance coach, uh, you know, I, I talk to people all the time. I actually compare it to a cell phone, right? And I'll talk to I'll talk to players. And I'm like, so, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally today, what percent are you guys at? And one will raise their hand. He'll say 73. Another one will say 58. And uh, another one will say 86. You know, and I'm like, awesome. You know, thank you for being honest with me because – because college sports is a grind, right? You're always playing with some sort of an injury. There's some sort of thing going on in your life. There's difficult things that are going on as a player. And I just talked to him about don't don't ever let it be an excuse not to give 100% effort. So if you're at 53% today, give me 100% of your 53%. If, you, if you're at 78%, give me 100% of your 78%. Because just like a cell phone, right? Like if we give 100% capacity – we're 100% effort, whether we're at 21% or 89%, there's still really, really good results. Now, we get down to 1%, 2%, things get scalopus. We got to, you know, we got to go to sleep. We got to recharge. We got to recalibrate and those sorts of things. But oftentimes, we mistake the way that we're feeling for how much energy we're supposed to get, give. And so I think that's where it becomes hard. If we can... If we can help people to understand that, yeah, you don't feel perfect today, but you can certainly be perfect on your effort. You certainly can be perfect on the amount of of effort that you give today. Then, then it becomes a little bit easier. But as a coach, if you're spending too much time on that, now you're starting to get away from X's and O's. Now you're starting to get away from scheming and some of those things. And it's just like, man, it's easy when guys are mature. When guys have come in with the right mindset, they know that they need to work hard every day and they aren't afraid to make mistakes, but they'll play hard. I mean, every coach loves a player that plays hard and plays, they call it playing with your hair on fire, right? They're okay with his mistakes because they know he's going 100 miles an hour and they can direct him in the right direction. It's the guy that that comes and sometimes gives 50% and then is awesome on one play because he gives 100%. And then you can't find them for the rest of the game. Those are the guys that are hard to coach. And it's tough. It's, it's probably the toughest thing in sport to coach is effort, in my opinion. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you. 
Love your show, guys. Thanks for having me on. There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. When we come back, Frank Dolce. Stay with us. We'll talk with former Ute quarterback next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and BK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. We're now joined by the former youth quarterback, Frank Dolce. Frank, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hope you're doing well. Yes, we are. And the Utes, the Utes have a W, so I think maybe you're doing a little better. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. I, sometimes it feels like uh, I, I find myself being more... Uh, obje- maybe objective is the word I'll use. <laughs> After the Utes win a game... And and maybe a little a little more complimentary after they lose a game, and so I, it's a kind of an odd phenomenon that happens. So I'm happy. Yeah, I'm 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 happy to talk about this game and your take on this game, and obviously the game coming up. But and where Utah sits in this crazy football season. I think it's awesome going forward, Frank, that it looks like the uh, Utes have found once again a stud running back in which to build an offense around. It is it is a little bit uncanny the way Utah has back to back to back to back to back found this stalwart at the running back position. I mean, you guys probably have lists in front of you, but... Just going back a few years, I mean, you look at Zach Moss and Devontae Booker, and um, and now and now Ty and um, and and before Ty, it looked like it was probably going to be Wilmore Brumfield. I mean, I it's it's really hard to to dismiss those two guys. They're not they're not the same running back as Ty Ty is, but those guys are pretty darn good. Um, and then you can just keep going back and back and back. So I. Uh, it it is amazing. It seems like there are are a few position groups um, on that football team. It started with the defensive line, where Coach Winningham just figures out a way to reload. It feels like um, defensively they're figuring that out in all the position groups, especially in the defensive backfield. Although that youth is is a little difficult to overcome. Um, and the running back position that. That running back position is uh, is the foundation on the offensive side. I don't think there's any question about that. I think it just comes down to where are they going with the passing game? Because I think even a linebacker now, which that was a position group we used to obsess about, and I just mm-hmm. saw – PK's got me turned on to this Pac-12 list Twitter feed thing, and they're listing everything. <laughs> and they're listing linebackers. You know, on a Tuesday, there's some list, right? List linebackers come out. They think the Utes have like two of the top half dozen linebackers in the league. 
I mean, it's like that used to be a problem, and now that's a strength. So it really comes down to, you know, where can they get the passing game to? And that's where I feel like this year's really a bizarro year for all the COVID-related bizarro stuff, and we, you know, could go on and do shows about it, and we have. Uh, the fact that the guy who looks like the quarterback of the future got hurt 14 snaps you know, into his first start. Uh, so we don't really see what's happening at quarterback because n- nothing apparently is happening at quarterback as far as the future goes. You know, there's a here and now, but hit next season, you're going to hit the restart button. But everything else seems to be progressing. The secondary looks good. The run game looks good. There were question marks there, and it looks like they're getting answered. Yeah, no no question about it. I, I still think in the defensive secondary on the defensive side that it feels like Utah is still playing it a little bit cautious. It's not the it's not the same attacking style of defense we've seen Utah run in the past, and it it feels to me like that's a little bit of let's try and protect protect this defensive secondary um, that that has at times you know just shown its youth and, and inexperience. So you know that we'll we'll live with this four man rush and we'll try and disrupt passing lanes, but we're going to try and protect that secondary. Um, still, it's super talented in, in, the, in the secondary. The, the point about the quarterback, I know, you, DJ, you and I have had a, a conversation about this, and we, we're probably closer to agreeing than disagreeing on, on the situation. But I do think that there should there, there there needs to be a little bit more focus on solidifying if that's the right word that that position group it felt like coming into this season you had uh, after the after the Huntley era you had a couple of really good options i mean the numbers would would kind of bear that out a little bit with Bentley and what what he did and then just the reports on on cam rising coming out of camp it felt like there was some that that position group was was kind of getting uh solidified but i think the based on the play of the quarterback position over the last few weeks you'd have to say that there's still some work to be done there and i I'm not. I'm not necessarily down on Bentley. I think that's a guy with all of the tools. I, I really believe that he has all of the tools to be a very, very good quarterback. He. There are just a couple things that he's done in the in the few weeks that he's played that where, where I think he needs to make some improvement uh, to to really make that team successful on the offensive side. You think he has all the tools because uh, he missed some receivers that led to having field goals. So, you know, I don't want to crack on college kids, but I'm wondering, is he a big-time quarterback? Yeah, no, I, I do think he has all the tools. I, I mean, so you let's set those two passes aside, which are just two, you know, just two passes that you have to make. I think, PK, you could probably make those passes. I don't know. I've never seen you throw a football, but I, I'm guessing you could make those two passes. Um, all the, you know, everything, all the conditions would have to be right, I think, but you could probably complete it. The, the, but, but I've also seen, I've also seen Bentley um, under duress step up and pick up first downs on several occasions with his athleticism. That's, a, I think, that's a huge positive. 
I've seen him on the move uh, rip a ball 15 yards downfield on an out right between the numbers. And that's a difficult pass to make. And I've seen him go through a progression and check down and dump the ball off and pick up a few yards. Uh, I've seen him do really good things. And I think his arm strength is is fine. I, I wouldn't say it's you know, Aaron Rodgers, um, but it's not Peyton Manning either. I mean, I think he has, I think he has good arm strength. So, you know, the, the, then you go back to, well, what, what separates a, you know, good average, good quarterback from a really good quarterback? Well, you know, that's the guy that, that is completing those passes. All of a sudden you're, instead of six points, you're talking about 14 points and that game looks a lot different at the end. You're not talking about nearly losing a 20-point lead. Uh, and and going through his progression, getting rid of the ball more quickly, those are some of the things where I think he needs a little bit of work. And and my thing that I've said, I, you know, since the beginning is it doesn't, it doesn't feel like he's necessarily taking the reins of the offense. It doesn't feel like he's the, he's the commander-in-chief on the football field. Not in the way that, that Tyler Huntley ran that football team. Even when he was not as successful statistically, you always felt like there was a distinct leader on the field, and that was, that was Huntley. I feel that, that, that seems to be an area that, that I think he could maybe take a, a step forward. So we can talk about you. We can talk about Utah quarterbacking, but then we can also look at Colorado and say, well, they don't throw the ball much. They got a back who seems to average 180 yards a game. So are you just ready for this? You know, the Smash Mouth game to end all Smash Mouth games now. Friday night in uh, Boulder. It's, I love it. I mean, I I I played that. I played the quarterback position. And, and I, you know, I, I think there's, you know, obviously something nice about the, the passing game and a well-constructed, well-executed passing game. But to be, to be honest, uh, over the last several years, I, to me, the, the rough game is still the most, especially in college football, still the most meaningful part of the, of the offensive football game. The ability to dominate at the line of scrimmage, uh, the ability to, to control the clock a little bit, um, the ability to manage third downs successfully, get yourself into good third down situations. I think that's mostly based on the run game. And, and the way that Coach Whittingham has built his program and, and the way we've watched the run game evolve for Utah, that's, it's, it's my, I, I think it's foundational to college football. So when we have an opportunity to see two teams that live in the run game and understand the run game and and we're gonna we're gonna witness that, I that that is like that's my favorite kind of matchup. It's Utah Washington. That that's that kind of matchup. I mean Washington may feel like they're a little bit more advanced in the pass game, but that's a running football team. And they understand the the what it means to, to win the, the line of scrimmage and to win the, the game on the ground. Uh, Utah-Stanford, I mean, that matchup is always a classic kind of a battle on the, on the football field. And I feel like this has the, has the makings of that as well. And I really like what, 
what Coach Sherrell is doing down there. A big fan of his. Um, I thought he got a, you know, it, maybe not the shaft at UCLA, but yeah, you know, it was a difficult thing. It never felt like at, at the end, it felt like he lost his problem. But but I hope he's really successful at Colorado, and I think a good Colorado football team is meaningful for the South and meaningful for the Pac-12. 5'8", 160 pounds. How does Britton Covey continue to do it? I, I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> uh, did you see? He, he, he sent out a tweet the other day about something that was pretty funny. Lots of guys play football, college football for seven years or something like that. I thought it was, thought it was pretty entertaining. Uh, they're, you know, they're just guys that have that whatever it is, that gene that um, that they're just going to figure out a way to overcome any obstacle. And maybe that was built on the fact that he's always been undersized and he's always been disregarded and, and he's always had to go out and prove himself and he's never shied away from the, from the task. So watching him perform and and watching him take some of the punishment that he does, although it didn't happen as much last week, and, and the way that he keeps bouncing back, it's just, it's fun. It's, it's you know, he's really unique and, and fun, and I, I, I love to see that guy play. I hope that, that uh, I hope that we get to see him play a, a little bit longer. I don't know what he's going to do after this, after this football season, but... <laughs> It sure, you know, if there was any way possible, it sure would be nice to have him around for for another for another run at it. I I I, I think about him as as potentially an NFL prospect, and I I don't know. I I don't think he's your classic, you know, slot guy. He would have to be in the right, you know, all the stars would have to align in the right situation, right offense. I think that's a guy that that could that could probably find his way onto a team. Um, certainly, with his ability to to return kicks, return punts, he gives himself a leg up. But but he's just I, I mean that's that's just a guy. I I don't know how to describe him exactly other than he is he makes a difference every time he steps on the field. So I have two bits of uh, career advice for Britton Covey that he probably doesn't want, um, or or he already has because he's already figured him out. One, just yeah. stay at Utah and just let Kyle Winningham and the football program pay for your MBA. Just get it. <laughs> it just it'd be the weirdest thing, but why not? And the other thing is get yourself to the NFL and get yourself to Bill Belichick because Belichick, whatever your skill is, and we've already seen him do it with these tiny little receivers who don't look like they belong in the NFL, but Belichick, whatever you do, he gets the most out of you. Cam Newton, I don't know what's wrong with his shoulder. I think it must be hideously jacked up. Doctors must, you know, it's like a science experiment in there. He can't throw the ball, but Bill Belichick is getting the most out of Cam Newton. He's running for touchdowns. They're 6-6, six and six, and I don't think anybody thinks they've left that much on the field. It's like, that's just, with who they lost to free agency and all the opt-outs, that's just how good they are right now. And so Belichick gets the most out of you, and he gets the most out of tiny receivers. He gets the most out of quarterbacks whose shoulder is jacked up. If he loses half his starters on defense, he gets the most out of them. He was the guy I was thinking about when I was talking about the stars aligning 
and for Britton Covey. I mean, that, that would be, to me, that looks like the ideal type of scenario. Uh, that would, and that would be fantastic. I would, I would also love to see, I, I would love to see Covey stick around Utah and just, you know, take the next step and become a coach at, at Utah. I think there's a skill, a skill set there for that guy. I don't know if you watched, this was a couple years ago, um, when his high school team, Tempview, was playing in the playoffs, <laughs> and Covey showed up on the sideline, and we had film of it. All of a sudden, you know, in middle middle of the game, he's he's not just down there kind of inspiring the the troops. He's he has a clipboard and he's drawing up plays or something on the sideline, and he's coaching the guys up uh, as they're getting ready to take the field. I don't think it was a successful venture for Tempview on that afternoon, but there he was, and it seemed like you know maybe that was foreshadowing a little bit a future for or Britton Covey. That's a guy with just, you know, his story alone is inspiring. And, and then to put that together with what seems like a great football mind, I'd love to see him on Coach Whittingham's staff somewhere and see if he could build a career in the coaching ranks. Frank, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Of course. Anytime. Love to talk to you guys. Hope you're doing well and, and stay safe out there and we'll, we'll catch up real soon. There's Frank Dolce, our college football insider. The Utes and the Buffs, I'm, I am intrigued by this game. You know, the, on the service, you know, Colorado's 4-0 and Utah's 1-2. But you got to allow for 2020. <laughs> and Utah has played largely the best teams in the league. They have played USC, who's undefeated. They have played Washington, who's 3-1 and and first place in the North. And they have played Oregon State, who upset Oregon, who's 3-2 and and second in the North. So it's a pretty strong schedule. I mean, as three games go, it's that's a snapshot, not a schedule, but you get the point. Uh, and then on the other hand, you got Colorado, who, yes, they're 4-0, but one of them isn't even a Pac-12 game for the league that wasn't going to play any non-conference games. They you know, made the U-turn and got Colorado a home game with San Diego State. But San Diego State's gone through three quarterbacks and can't throw the ball, so that solved that for the CU defense. <laughs> they knew what to do there, and they won that game 20-10, to and the Aztecs ran a touchdown. They had a pick six. They ran an interception back for their only TD. The offense didn't really do anything all day long. So they beat in Arizona, and they beat in UCLA, but you know, how good are they really? They haven't played USC. That game got canceled, and they didn't play Washington or Oregon. So they got to win over Stanford. They do have that. And then Stanford or UCLA, I guess, is their best win. Uh, all right, we'll find out soon enough. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What is trending? All the headlines coming up next.